1: It is a monumental time in human history A massive anniversary is descending on the UK And I know what you're thinking It is the 18th anniversary of the Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay That's, Don't worry about it
2: That's what we're all hey, looking forward to hey, You know how uh, I just showed how egocentric that I am Because I was thinking like I was like, Does the UBP have an anniversary date or something like that coming up I thought that before old Queenie I'm sorry Liz Whatever Mad she's Liz. getting up to today Whatever she's doing I'm sure she's like having a few bending in behind imagine. the carriage She's choking down in a full English, and she's just like <laughs> looking at all the people taking pictures and she's giving them the finger. She's like, F off, mate. F off. It is
1: a hell of a time. Uh, in the UK, we have a ridiculous, it is ridiculous, four-day national holiday to celebrate. And it's quite shocking how little I know about the queen, but the queen exists and she's done stuff for a long time, and we're all gonna have right, some days off for
2: it. Let's be fair to her, let's be fair to her, all right? She's uh <laughs> a queen, we know that much. Yep. Uh, she's providing us a four-day bank holiday weekend. I'm also... i am just I what her surname is. She's Queen
1: Elizabeth, it's, it's, and I was like, no, it's, the it's first?
2: The que- no, it's the Queen. It's, uh, but she, it's, not, it's not like Cher, or like, what, what's her name? Well, no, she doesn't need one. She doesn't really <laughs> exactly, No one's going to exactly ask her for ID, are they?
1: No, but I've just realized I was like, I actually have no idea what any of these people do. Pull well, out a pound
2: sorry. coin and just be like, check that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, this is who I am. Um, but yeah, I Googled um, this day in gaming history, and not mm-hmm. only is it the 18th anniversary of the Chronicles of Riddick, one of the best first-person shooter. Yeah. Things ever, um, but it's also the anniversary of Tekken Seven. The, to the day, if this comes Oof. out on the Friday when this eventually gets put out. Although I'm realizing now in my stupidity that when I looked up this day in, it's gaming, going to be for the Wednesday it's going to be when we recorded this the
2: Friday. Oh, oh you the anniversary is a
1: shambles. <laughs> now it's not going to be taken seriously. <laughs> um, speaking of taking things seriously, this is the UBP, the Entitled Panda Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello, everyone where we round up all your questions, talking points, and whatever you'd like us to talk about. And the next thing down on the list is the fact, I, was, I just wrote down mug update, because a lot of people <laughs> are asking us where the UVP <laughs> mugs are. Um, now, I, we don't know. We've submitted the um, the request for them. I've asked um, our managing dude who's putting these uh, orders and stuff together, where are the mugs, and just being told that it's in progress. So we'll just have to wait and see, hope for the best, cross all the fingers, and duh Double no, is no, what I've got. Listen,
2: listen. Uh, we are as disappointed as you guys are. But as you all well know, uh recently What Culture was uh merged with uh future publishing, and so Emerge. the big wheels of industry are a turning and they yes. move slowly. So fortunately, things like UBP mugs, they don't seem to be the top of their priority for this. I'm like, this is the thing. If it was me in charge of this, I'd be like, Oh, I have no idea how much the merger actually was in terms of like monetary yeah. stuff, but I know that from all of the training that we're all having to go on, that there is quite a big change in like policy and update. So that means I'm guessing it's more like, than how
1: much a mug would cost. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this thinking, like, okay, cool. So we're going to do this training here. We've got that schedule. We've got to learn how to use this new equipment. Where's the mugs about? I would put that priority number one, day one, start. There's only box, one go. set of
1: mugs here, mate, and it's uh, it's us going through all of this. We'll to be fair,
2: I, my ears as well stick out enough that I could be a jug. So there you go. <laughs> one of those ones that you sort of hoot into the top of if you do know. <laughs> a hooting nanny. That's my favorite type of mug. <laughs> Speaking of my favorite type of
1: mugs, uh, a massive thank you to everybody for sending in all your questions, and we'll get through as many as we no, can. No, you
2: can't say that. That's not
1: a segue. Oh. That just in, that implies that they're mugs. All well, collective mugs. mugs. Cuphead mug man.
2: Mug men. There we go. There we go. As long as you say that we're mug men and not that yeah. we are trying to imply that they are, you know, like cockney <laughs> geezer. Listen here, you mug. Like
1: I've got a question for you. So first got one it. from Matthew McGowan says, what are your favorite controllers of all time? PlayStation 5 is probably the objective best that we've seen, but I have a special place uh, in my mm, heart for the original mm. Xbox controller S that replaced the Duke. Now, I love the original yeah. Xbox Duke because um, yeah. it was just such a humongous dinner plate of a thing, but where do you come down on the old uh, best game controllers debate?
2: Now, I've already taken umbrage with the... You did a bit, uh, yeah. You did a little noise when PlayStation mm, 5 was getting mm, mentioned. Really? That, like, it, is, it is an amazing controller. I've tried mm-hmm. it out a few times and like objectively, it has it's the best bulky, technology though. in the world in that controller because, mm-hmm. the, you know, the haptic feedback, the sensor, the touchscreen, all that other stuff, like mm-hmm. that is very, very impressive. However, if we're going on ergonomic design mm-hmm. of ease of accessibility, of just pure sleekness and general cool vibes, then it has to be the xbox one controller
0: it oh is. see the, we, the triggers oh. on it are
2: so good they are so so good for, just, for driving oh. games for anything that involves sort of like semi-presses of them which not a lot of games utilize to be mm. fair but when they did ah oh, man my whole thing with the xbox one controller and i wish i could get on
1: board with this because i see this sentiment passed around online i just think it's too clacky it's too
2: it feels like it's falling apart whenever i use uh, it like the well, d-pad clacky as hell i just don't it's not just one of people who don't, don't like mechanical keyboards aren't you I don't even know what, I'm not going to lie. Make too much noise, make too much
1: noise. What's a mechanical key? What's that? I've only ever had a Mac. I'll
2: I'll tell you what. Oh yeah, fair, fair enough. That (laughs) That puts your estimations of what things are. I can't uh, even see you right now. The frame rate's not (laughs) solid enough. I've got, I don't, (laughs) it's going to struggle through this at least he can run minecraft at 15 frames a second in right theory, anyway, um, yeah so uh you'll know i had a mechanical keyboard because right. in the old office all you'd hear behind you was that oh is that what that was that's me that's me hammering away a lovely orchestra of noises yeah. <laughs> <I don't know laughs> if me... that was a good thing you've seen um at the end of the necro con uh, music video where he stabs the person's chest out it was like I that, that oh mate oh okay well, we have to watch the con. There's a, it's a band out there called Necrogoblicon, and they are ridiculously <laughs> banterific. If you've not heard of them, Go listen to him. Hilarious I've heard one. of the
1: Necronomicon
2: in the space of uh, the Evil Dead, but- well, this is the
1: necro- Necrogoblicon,
2: This is the is next goblin. Stage. Yeah. It's a goblin guy who's their mascot. <laughs> he comes around and he always ends up killing people by accident. Either
1: way, um, the controls that I have actual memories for would be the original DualShock, because that was a big old deal. And I remember getting my first DualShock mm-hmm. and then getting Ape Escape um, on the original PlayStation. And obviously that game was like fundamentally controlled using yep. the analog sticks. Yeah. Um, so it would be that. And obviously Sony stuck to that design for ages. I kind of would back that the PlayStation 5 is one of the best i like how chunky that thing is um mm. but i guess it would just be the original jewel shock for me um and then i do have a soft spot for the duke as well because it was always the controller that my friend's big brother used on the original xbox and we a little wee children we were just we couldn't get our hands around it so it was kind of fascinating trying to play halo which in itself was a big deal with this new controller
2: i will admit like we've come a long way when it comes mm. to controllers but do you remember holding like the Snayers controller for the first time? So, oh, well, that, funnily man, enough, I that felt felt so good. That thing would have been like, I guess, the dual shock of its day or something. Like, yeah. oh my God, there's shoulder buttons to it and everything. Yeah.
1: Cause I did I didn't go, I was a mega drive kid. So like I grew up with that weird, unwieldy
2: Mega Drive thing. With oh, the, the, the banana buttons, you know. with the Ocarina buttons on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Like a little instrument. Yeah. And so like, yeah, that was my like childhood controller, if not the master system before it. Um, SNES is your number one though.
2: I'd say that if I'm, if I'm going to apply the retro to my retro J handle, mm. then yes, I will say that. I just just to be a hipster. Go on. That's a
1: good pick. I think that uh, whenever we talk about the best controllers of all time, they're always up there. Mm-hmm. Um, next question from AJ, who says, how about that Top Gun Maverick movie? I think it's brilliant. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, Jules, but Top Gun might be the best movie of the year.
2: Well I haven't seen it But when I was looking to book some tickets Because me and uh, Kerry want to go see The Bob's Burgers movie So we were going (laughs) to go uh, see that this weekend I think And um, when I was looking on there The first thing that popped up was Top Gun Maverick And I looked at it and I had to do a double take Because I was was like This is a Tom Cruise movie right And then Mm I was zooming in on it a bit more And I I was like what are those all over it And it was 5 star ratings It's it's, like 20, 25 star ratings Just on that thing there and I was like What's go- what is going it's, on? It's here?
1: unbelievable how good it is. Like it's really? uh yo yeah, genuinely. Like the the way that it's written, the way that the heart of that movie, obviously it's a sequel to something from 36 years yeah. ago. So it's a yeah. very specific energy that they're going for. And it's not just a Force Awakened Star Wars style cash-in thing. It feels like something that Tom Cruise actually wanted to make. Now, not only really? are the stunts incredible, where like the entire um cast were taught how to fly fighter jets. So all what? the um yo yeah, all the stunts have cameras attached to the fighter jets. So all the dog fights are Real. There's only like one CG fight in the whole thing, and um, which is one ridiculous set piece. Everything else is actual dog fights between Tom Cruise and everyone else, and the stunt team and everything. Um, that sounds amazing. And there's it's really really good. So that side of it is brilliant. There's one really specific like um, chicane scene where it's actually Tom Cruise, um, just taking on all the G-force, doing these insane twists and turns as he oh. nails this timing section. But also the heart of the movie is literally about Tom, like real Tom Cruise, um, living vicariously through Maverick the character. I.e., you are too old for this. You keep doing this. You keep almost dying um, and doing these things. Mission Impossible is only getting bigger and more ridiculous. Yeah. And making it about someone who was an 80s action star realizing their own mortality. It's kind of the only um, Tom Cruise movie where he's actually written it about his own age and the fact he's getting on a bit. Um, And so, you know, he's still trying to hang with the young lads, playing with the boys, you might say, as in the soundtrack. And it's like, it's about that. And it has so much heart and it's just, it's really, really good. And it has that old school, like late nineties, early two thousands movie feel where you come out of it going, I love that. That made me feel things that made me feel like the world's going to be all right again. And I think that's Ah. why it's got the five-star thing.
2: Okay, I'm not going to lie. I do want to see it now. That actually sounds pretty I good. Was, like, I, I went in expecting nothing and it was incredible. I think mean, the thing is, is that like with Tom Cruise, he's a he's a very strange individual. He he's, got a, he's got yeah. quite a lot of strange beliefs, but you can't He, he deny... would murder you and just laugh at you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He would wear my <laughs> own face as well and then go and kill the rest of my family. That's he doesn't even I know feel. how to laugh. He does That's that my, weird- I,
1: that's my that personal opinion, laugh. guys. My personal opinion. No, I, that's also my personal opinion. and Or a shared UBP opinion. But I think <laughs> he would do that weird laugh he does when he was on the couch that time with Oprah or any time he laughs where it's yeah. like, this is how a human laughs.
2: Ha 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 ha. And it's like, yeah. that's not actually laughter, mate. That's just... Do so you reckon killer. that um, him and uh, Zuckerberg are just down, sort of like in the lizard kingdom below, sort of thing? It's <laughs> one of those like conspiracy that you can see that why that conspiracy theory uh, has a bit of water with people like yes. that. Yes, but I, I do. That actually sounds pretty interesting, man. Well, are you, I, you a
1: Top Gun fan?
2: Are you a Gee? Listen to the I, Danger Zone. I have listened vicariously to the Danger Zone thanks to Archer a million times, yes. uh, but I will say that I haven't watched the film in probably about maybe I don't know seven years or so. Right, right. right. So it's, it's a big been a... slice of cheese. Like I, okay. yeah, like I appreciate. I mean,
1: the the new one is way more measured. Like I said, it's it's weirdly very well made. Like you would think there'd be way more corporate overseeing of like making sure they hit all the beats or making yeah. sure it appeals to every age demographic possible. But it's just a story being told and it's good. And um, but yeah, that original one and the new one opens with Danger Zone. To sort of remind you of that, but then they they don't bring in any other bits of music other than one oh, other sort of surprise. Okay. Um, it, it kind of like is its own thing. This is the most anyone's ever talked about Top Gun Maverick <laughs> on a gaming <laughs> podcast, but it's genuinely really good. It made me want to go and get Ace Combat Seven and the Flight Simulator Top Gun DLC. Um, until I realized that I had to pay for Ace Combat. I thought it was on Game Pass. And Aww. then um, Flight Sim, I was going to re-download because you can get Maverick's actual uh, F eighteen or whatever it is jet. In flight simulator okay that's um, pretty cool and go, go cool. break the frame rate on an xbox and <laughs> um, <laughs> try to use that um next question down is from jack asbury who says uh what do you think of the newly announced sony tv shows and uh, what do you think they should cover in terms of the actual subject matter so we've got and um, the horizon one there's a gran turismo one and there's mm-hmm. a god of war one and mm-hmm. um, he says that horizon should be all about ross and everything that happens at the beginning of that game and the god of war one should be about the gap in between the original trilogy and 2018 What's your thoughts on this stuff? Like in terms of, Um, I guess the adaptations in general and can they even work?
2: I think that because of the fact that uh, we're going to be dealing with uh, TV shows that are going to have a lot lower budget than any of the movie Mm. stuff, um, I personally would set things that require the least amount of CGI work that people could then tear apart. Um, So I would actually set the the Horizon Zero Dawn one as a prequel to the events and looking more at the human society and the collapse that leads up to the events of the games because while it would be, I know that a lot of people would love to have the sort of like open vistas and the huge like um uh, robotic dinosaurs roaming yeah. about i feel like if you take a more restrained approach to that you probably end up telling a better story and mm-hmm. therefore impacting the world better than just being like hey look these look really goofy or they you can tell that they're cgi and there's no interaction between them and the people doing it or mm-hmm. like it just doesn't feel right or looks too too cartoony and oversaturated that was my they, immediate
1: thought was they would they'd get the cg wrong they wouldn't build yeah. the practical dinosaurs yeah
2: But if they dial it back and set it more towards the sort of this is the human relation of this story of like um, how the events leading up to it, or maybe set before Aloy even comes onto the scene where it's Mm. just basically hiding from the dinosaurs that are only ever shown in partial like frame or whatever, Mm -hmm. like treat it like a horror movie or something like that, you could probably make it quite tense. My I was thinking you is, meant like yeah. the bit, like um, the thing that leads
1: to the, the the Pharaoh plague and what leads to like, yes. like yeah, can you can do all that kind of put, stuff. Two
2: roots of that, basically. Actually, could, I guess
1: because you've already got the the whole stuff with like Elizabeth Sobeck in the in our timeline, quote unquote, mm. before the way future stuff. Yeah, there's maybe a way to do it where you focus more on all those kind of things and you mm-hmm. maybe blow the budget on one dinosaur reveal towards the end or something. Yeah, like that, or, yeah, yeah. You know, look like, at what we've made or something. Yeah.
2: Just because um, audiences are expecting things to be exactly like the games doesn't mean that they won't enjoy something that is actually sucks. Supp- that. I mean, like, look at the response to how Obi-Wan's getting now. It's like it's it's slotting into a uh, area that nobody really thought was going to happen, nor Mm. I can... uh, I would argue that very few people uh, were like, oh, I really want to know what happened between Obi-Wan here and then. Like, it's... It, it was already some... assumed anyway. Yeah, yeah, like, I, feel, I feel like it's just one of those things where I'm glad that they are tying it together because of mm. how well the uh, the show is shaping out, but mm. I didn't exactly wake, uh, feels... like, wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat thinking, Obi-Wan, what's he up to right now? No. <laughs> it feels like a DLC
1: for episode three, where they're just thought, sort of, yeah. like, we're going to bring back yeah. Obi-Wan, do the Vader <laughs> stuff again, and yeah. um, just kind of just do that again. It's like, yeah, you might as well. Um, where do you come down the Gran Turismo TV show? Because that, that's, for me, the most interesting because it has the most potential, but like because for mm. me horizon and god of war are not going to be anywhere close to how good the games are so i'm kind of just curious what the gran turismo thing turns out like
2: so when you boil down what gran turismo as a series is it is mm. a game for petrol heads and basically people who love looking into the minutiae of car building mm. and also just being able to drive these incredible luxury cars that let's face it most of us will never even get to mm. uh, have the shadow of them cast <laughs> upon us um so from a perspective of can they get in a ton of amazing cars? Yes. Fantastic for people like that. I feel like they're going to get a real kick out of it. But my issue is, is that there's a lot of competing brands who would definitely want uh their cars to be shown at the very best if you start getting in the likes of say ford if you start getting in like the higher end uh, mm-hmm. supercar manufacturers they're not going to want to sign on to a program and say hey your car loses you're gonna right be, right they can only be shown as being uh like victorious which means we're probably going to get a lot of generic uh supercars we're going to have That's one a of really the badges like ripped off so mm-hmm. therefore we're going to lose some of the actual authenticity of what makes gran turismo so special and then if you're going to have like a character that you're building up around this garage who's maybe down on their luck and needs to turn around another victory or Mm -hmm. they're out of the season sort of thing. What car do they choose and who basically is going to pay the most money to have their car be the <laughs> advertising uh, boy for this? Yeah, and, that's, and you know what? It leads to um, moments of complete um, reality shattering. For example, if they went through and say Ford stepped up and said, hey, look, we're going to give you a bunch of money to mm-hmm. promote the new, I don't know, the Ford GT Supernova or whatever. They brought br- a <laughs> brand new car for this. Yes. And then they show that beating lighter, quicker, better-tuned cars on the track that uh, statistically should beat this car mm-hmm, nine mm-hmm. times out of 10, then you're basically just saying to the audience, like, this is just going to be a glorified advert for for 10 episodes. I like, do wonder
1: how over the top it'll be in that regard. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah, that's, that's a you, that the whole point you just made there is fascinating. <laughs> Cause like, that was the stuff that kind of felt like it was coming through in Gran Turismo 7, where all of a sudden mm-hmm. the microtransactions were ridiculous and the, the value of these cars, even in a digital space had to be overinflated. Um, and part of me wondered how much of that was pressure from the car manufacturers themselves going, well, we'll yeah. let you license the McLaren again or whatever it is, but we need to make sure it Feels like a McLaren as much as possible in a digital space, so the actual price tag is still going to be ludicrous. And mm. um, yeah, like you said, that could absolutely come across in the TV show. Um, but yeah, very curious how the hell, what the hell, these things are even going to be. Yeah. Um, I think one of them is going to Netflix, one of them is going to Amazon, the other one's going to be a movie. Um, but yeah, we'll see how those different studios um, approach them. Next question from PG Quips, who says, favorite video game detective, and he does have a breakdown, Ooh. Nick Valentine from Fallout 4, Cole Phelps from L.A. Noir, Ronan O'Connor from Murdered Soul Suspect, Hana Mizrahi from Murder by Numbers, Bigby Wolf from The Wolf Among Us, Takayuki Yagami from Lost Judgment, Professor Layton from Professor Layton, or Haria Hari Dubois from Disco Elysium?
2: Oh, I mean, you kind, of <laughs> kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, I Harry, Harry Dubois because Dubois. I, I just love the fact that he's so inept. Like, I well, know that i was
1: going to say, if they're yeah. all trying to, if all of them are in a row and they're all trying to solve the same murder, Harry comes in last. He'll get there.
2: No, but Harry, he, i don't know. I reckon that Harry pips everyone at the post, but is in <laughs> last place the entire time up until that point. Okay, like, okay, okay. You've got the boots on the ground, uh, like work of Professor Layton, who mm-hmm. will definitely overanalyze. He'll be the uh, public relations person. He'll go and speak. <laughs> to people who were kind to them, but he'll get bogged down solving needless puzzles when he True. should be actually trying to solve the <laughs> grisly murder. He'll He's arranging like, matchsticks in the corner again. Yeah. And he, everyone's just there like, it's like, professor, like, there is literally a body like d- <laughs> bleeding out over here. And you're just that trying to do a Sudoku puzzle sort of thing. Like chill
1: out, dude. Um, you've got Ronan O'Connor barely being able to interact with any of the evidence because, because they're, he's they're, a ghost. Because they're a ghost anyway. Yeah. Um, You've got Saki Yagami. Sort of got good street smarts, got good um, yeah. instincts and everything, but very much, you know, dealing with the wider Yakuza world and everything mm-hmm. else that's getting in the way of them. Um, I might go with Dubois. I don't trust Cole Phelps at all. I think Cole Phelps has some of the worst instincts in the world. and is arguably the villain of that entire game by the end of it or one of the most flawed characters (laughs) ever uh nick valentine is possibly the another another one who's up there
2: he's he's a character that i honestly think is one of the strongest fallout characters ever written yeah you can tell that the uh the devs put so much more effort and love into his character than Mm -hmm. everyone else he's got like the most recorded unique dialogue from whenever you go to uh different locations Mm. they built an entire dlc around him and his brother or um his well his sibling synth. we'll just say yeah sibling synth uh in the God, what was it far harbor dlc i think it was um, so.
1: that was for, yeah yeah that was for, was dlc
2: yeah so there's like and they made him such an integral character that you kind of fall in love with him through the journey that you go mm. on with him mm-hmm. and it's detecting skills though i would actually say aren't that great because right you, the character, lead the uh, the action so much more than he ever does because he's a party member. So you can say, yes, he solved a mystery, but mm. you did a lot of the legwork for him to do it. Yeah, I think it might,
1: of all of these, I think it might actually be Dubois. Like, obviously, the, of all the games that are listed here that are associated, Disco Elysium is one of the ones that just needs to be held up and everyone yeah. should go play Disco Elysium, go be that detective. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the most satisfying things, I guess it depends how you play that character, but one of the most satisfying things that I played through was eventually bringing all the evidence together. Was eventually mm-hmm. solving the case um, and pulling everything back together. Even though you're an absolute state across yes. the majority of that game, because yeah. <laughs> um, you're living sort of like the day after a, a one hell of a night out. Um, next question from Brett Madewell, who says, "How good is Kenobi, fellas? Love from Australia." Now, I am um, love to yourself. I've not watched Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm still checked out of Star Wars, and I still don't have Disney Plus back again. I let it, yep. I, let, I let it, I let it expire, Jules, But you've been watching Obi Wan Kenobi. Is it any good?
2: So I've uh, watched the first two. Episodes mm-hmm. at the time of recording, we are at work, so we can't watch the other one uh, nope. or the others that have dropped. Um, the first two episodes have been really, really good. Mm-hmm. I won't say that they've been absolutely breathtaking, like some of the best TV that I've ever seen, right. but they have been very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few issues with it that are classic Star Wars. <laughs> the dialogue is a bit on the nose here and there. Right. Like people walk I saw into... the bit where it's like, you can't, you couldn't save Anakin, but you can save her, like as in yeah. child Leia.
1: And it's like, there's, okay.
2: There's a few bits where like they'll just be so on the nose with it being like, uh, it's like, we are here, we are the bad guys, and we hunt the Jedi. And it's like, <laughs> no one introduces them like that. No one no. needs to introduce that. They even have a bit before, right? Where they introduce a character by somebody being like, oh, it's like the Inquisitors. Like, I know that the Inquisitors are bad. That mm. says everything you need to know. Right. about who they are mm-hmm. but the fact that they then go thank you for the introduction and now let me <laughs> expand on that a little further there's a few um uh cuts as well like mm. in the action that mm-hmm. actually don't make a lot of sense like okay. uh I, I i'm trying not to spoil stuff for people so i'll just well, say people, that there people is... should have seen episode one and two because that yeah. was a week ago there's there's a battle on a rooftop and obi-wan is fighting one character another character appears and he starts shooting trying to shoot both of them mm-hmm. while trying to also Save somebody that's going on And mm-hmm. what happens is Is that As this person falls off the roof And gets saved Obi-Wan then just suddenly Miraculously appears Down oh. in the streets below Even <laughs> though it would have Clearly taken him about I don't know 10 to 15 minutes He's to got the get super around. jump He did lens. then up. But then it also, you start questioning, it's like, wait a minute, did you actually defeat both people on the roof as well? Right, right. right. You, you, oh, we oh just they just get left. We Well, one of them we do see die, but it's the other one just said, like, wait, did you actually, <laughs> what is going on here? And there's I another, did. one of the biggest problems is, is that like the child actor who's doing the uh, the role for Leia, mm. I... Think that she swings wildly between being very good for a kid and mm-hmm. being very bad, especially for a kid. And right, the okay. chase scenes as well uh, with her in are the worst. So really? you'll have you'll have people running after her, and she's a little kid. Like, yes. You've you've chased after these are the things I think... because of the fact you've got you've got young nephews. I've got a young nephew. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I was <laughs> able to, like I'm able to catch up with him and just be like, oh, this is no challenge whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like with this one. It's like, oh, we're going to bumble into a tree. Oh, a branch. Oh, I can't catch it. Oh, she's run through my legs. It's like absolute bollocks, absolute bollocks.
1: That's some proper, I don't even know what the hell tone that is mixed with, because one of the clips that I saw was, um, I don't even know the name of the character, but it was one of the Inquisitors cut someone's like hand off with a lightsaber. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like that's an actual lightsaber for a change. Like it's actually doing good lightsaber stuff. And, um, if that's close to like shenanigans with sort of more child friendly, like you said, like, like hijinks and trying to escape like a bunch of evil people who are trying to kidnap someone, but she's getting away in the easiest way possible. Mm -hmm. Those tones don't really line up. So I guess that is quite jarring. Um, Well, I wonder how much they're borrowing from um, Lucas's old notes, because apparently back in the day, um, he was going to do child versions of Luke, Leia and Han in the original prequels. And that stuff just changed a lot. So I wonder how much Disney over a long enough time period, now that they've messed up and stumbled and hit the floor a few times, they've just gone, should we just do the things that he said? Because we've got some notes
2: left over and maybe we'll just do that. I will say as well, in terms of the actual other side of Mm. the coin of me liking this show the visuals are very impressive right. i love the world building that they do you get to explore new areas and new sort of cityscapes you get to see more of alderaan which is quite nice as well mm. you, there's beautiful interactions between um leia's uh, adopted dad and her and the rest of her family there's there's mm-hmm. some really nice moments throughout this but the biggest win of this series so far and obviously i can't vouch for what i haven't seen Mm -hmm. is the fact that the building tension between obi-wan and anakin and Mm -hmm. having that sort of clash that you know is potentially coming again even though i don't know how that makes uh, sense within the wider lore of things or how it's going to play out Mm -hmm. it feels dramatic because when they last fought obi-wan overpowered him. He outthought him. He, Mm -hmm. as everyone knows, got the high ground. Here, he is (laughs) weak. He has not been practicing. He is afraid to use his lightsaber effectively. And in those two episodes, we don't see him use it once. Right, okay. I guess they're building up to when that's going to be a big deal. And and I'm like, cool, there's another character within this who is wielding a lightsaber like it's nothing, showing the difference, the divide in skill, or the connection to the Force between somebody who tried to deny his uh, all everything to do with the force versus somebody who is embracing the dark side and the power that comes with it. So yeah, there's there's a great uh, bit of. I won't say subtle storytelling, but there's a mm. great like arc building within this. Well, I like, I like where it's placed. I like the idea of
1: taking prequel Obi-Wan and putting him in sort of original trilogy timeline, like in the yes. original trilogy timeline, like you have the original trilogy's version of Tatooine essentially, but it is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. So it's that prequel kind of energy, sort of like a nice little crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, And Ewan McGregor is so dependable anyway. Like whenever you see him as Obi-Wan, that is so immediately yeah. identifiable and iconic. So I don't know, it makes me interesting. I feel like because I've been uh, such a like hardcore fan of Star Wars for 20 years now there's it's like a language that you can speak and we can talk about it and and it's always there um, but it's just that thing of like, I feel so betrayed by the Disney direction of everything that I'm going to wait until maybe the whole season comes out and see what the holistic view on it is Fair enough. Um, and see whether or not it feels like like an addendum, like a unnecessary DLC to episode yeah. three. Um, because like you said, depending on what they do here, that potentially impacts the way that Obi-Wan and Vader talk to each other in episode four, because we're sort of yes. bringing up like, well, actually they did all this other stuff that they didn't even talk about and whatever. So it's, I don't know how you do that rather than just have them fight a few times or something
2: because one of the most interesting thing is obviously when vader meets obi-wan in episode four he mm-hmm. says like the last time that we fo- uh, fought uh, you were the master and i was yes uh, but it's like, like that is so clearly tied to the events of episode three yep. that it now tinges the obi-wan storyline uh, in this tv show mm-hmm. that vader's going to lose again
1: I was going to say, and, it means that Obi-Wan and, has to keep beating him, yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's like, are we going to have like a villain of the week style thing, where he's like, <laughs> oh, curse you, Obi-Wan, you got away again for the next three episodes, <laughs> or is it going to be one final climactic battle where maybe Vader just loses? And it's like, would, oh, okay. Have that have to an... be like, so aware of that, because, yeah,
1: like you said, he says, I, I, I was the student, now I am the master. And it's yeah. like, well, assumedly, you're not the student,
2: because you're, you are Vader in full costume, so... The yeah. only thing that's worse than that is what if they never meet? Like the only like they they, they <sighs> literally have their own past and they look like they're about to collide, but right. just at the nick of time, we get saved or moved away by something else. And that well, will be so disheartening to fans yeah. because they want that clash so badly.
1: Oh, I think that's why this exists. I think you make this whole show as a TV show version of the Vader corridor fight from Rogue One. Oh, like God, it's it just so full good, on Just have fun with it. I mean, that was back when I was riding high. That was before Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and everything yeah. else. So like, yeah, maybe you just go back to that, go back to the, the stuff that is just kind of fun yeah. um, and just have crazy Terminator Vader versus Obi-Wan getting in his way and <laughs> yeah. whatever um, and go down that way. But yeah, Star, Star Wars continues to be a, a weird thing that is just mm-hmm. sort of omnipresent. Um, next question is from Brandon Bresman, who says, what is our collective, or what is either of our worst gaming habits? I would say mine is auto-reloading no matter if I shoot one bullet or the entire magazine. It gets me killed all the time, but no matter how hard I try, I can't stop. I will add that I don't trust autosave ever. I hate autosave. I will always pause and manually save. And I hate turning my game off when it's only in autosave. I don't trust it. I never will. Fair
2: enough. I hate it. I feel like I am totally there with you because it's like, especially with games like uh, when XCOM or what I'm playing through at the moment, which is the Warhammer 40k Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. It's mm-hmm. like, I will do a manual save. I'll see the auto save and I'll do another save as well. Because <laughs> I'm like, did you just overwrite something that I didn't want you to do? I want to make sure that everything's fine. Like, Well, it's like
1: when uh, if whenever you pause in Uncharted or Naughty Talk games and they go, oh, time since last save. And even if it says oh, five minutes, I'm like, well, I can make that zero minutes if I just yeah. make it a manual save right now. And yeah. um, I want to make sure that I like, keep a hold of that stuff. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of a habit, it's definitely auto saving or just like not trusting game systems. Um, overall, the gaming thing would be just having to play everything and spending yeah. most of the money I make on this earth on any old toss
2: <laughs> just to play it for a few hours. I think that my biggest crime that I do is that I always say to myself, like, this is the game I'm going to 100%, this is the game oh, 100%. The time, I'm going to yeah. play, it, I'm going to play, it, I'm going to play it. And a month <laughs> goes by, and I'm just kind of like, I only got halfway through that game and I just stopped <laughs> playing. And it's like, never even because I didn't like the time that I was having, I was having a great time with it. I just, life gets in the way, and you end up just kind yeah. like, right, my priorities have shifted. Because like- I love the idea of, like, oh, I'm going to get the platinum for this, I love this thing, I'll get the
1: platinum, that mm-hmm. proves that I love it so much, mm-hmm. or I'll 100% it, or whatever it is. And then, like you said, something happens that gets in the way. I've started referring to it as like the subconscious test. Like I, it's like a, I realize a week later that I haven't done the thing for a week. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess it didn't stick then. I guess it just passed. And now life is continuing to do
2: something else. Like I've got a character in Elden Ring who's now in complete limbo on new game <laughs> plus two, because I've just like, I've gone through it and I'm just like, Oh, right. Well, I've, I've just given up on that. Then never, Well, you? that was my thing. I was like,
1: Oh, I'll cause everyone was like, Oh, do new game plus new game. Do do like the second and a third new game? Plus and I was like, cool. I'll do all of that. Love Elden Ring. I'll do every single one of them. And then I restarted. And it was just that feeling of like, Oh, this is the beginning this is 120 yeah, hours ago. Yeah. And as soon as I had that feeling, I was like, no, I'm actually done. I can't do this again. I can't do all of this again. <laughs> torture, of the two the months of it. Um, next question from Alpha Oliver, who says, will there honestly be a faithful adaptation of a video game on TV? Uncharted was fun, but interactive media can't be topped. Games are simply better than other media.
2: Preach. Ooh. I mean, I would say that in terms of the, uh, the emotional connection that you get to it, it's up there with like, hmm. uh, with, books i would say that films because you're more of a passive viewer Mm -hmm. you are you do connect with um and identify with characters Mm -hmm. but you never feel like you are in control of them you have no agency Mm -hmm. with books i feel that because it's the imagination that you use to create images of characters and locations and events that is an agency of its own kind so Mm -hmm. that's very hard to beat that But direct agency you cannot beat um uh, an immersion cannot beat video games Yeah. so I don't know if that's the thing, it's like,
1: how do you then,
2: what parts of that
1: energy do you transplant across into a passive medium? It, it is very hard to do.
2: I don't know because it's. I'm really struggling to think of a of a adaptation that I would say is done well. And there are certain things that I don't want to ever be adapted for fear mm. of how badly they would be done. <laughs> See,
1: I but quite like like in terms of video game movies that I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching Uncharted. It was just a nice roller coaster ride. But it is just the cutscenes of Uncharted stitched together with none of the, the acting prowess that's in uh, the later ones. But yeah. I really liked Detective Pikachu. I was like, well, that's a that's a cool idea that you can just do as a story. Like, what if there was a Blade Runner style city with a Detective Pikachu mm-hmm. in the middle? But, mm-hmm. um and that worked well but there's no way for the mediums to cross over in terms of active passive stuff you're gonna have to sacrifice some sort of controllable element at some point yeah. um and but i yeah i i have this debate with with josh all the time i think that games are the mecca of all media and like that is everything combined i think i might have said that this week on a podcast yeah but um yeah so i agree with that with um elfar but in terms of um adapting stuff i think you just do the best you can and pick whatever story beats work or It's
2: it's either that, or you choose a video game that doesn't have like a direct A to B narrative, and Mm. is mainly just like you're picking a vibe and you're doing that. Like Mm. somebody, I can't remember who I was chatting to, but they made a good point, which was like, tell me that this wouldn't be a good TV show. Okay, a a video game adapt, sorry, a TV adaptation of Papers, Please. Like (laughs) I know that that sounds absolutely nuts on Uh, paper, ha ha ha. But you start off with the concept of you are a border guard that is trying to sp- uh, play by the law which is very mm-hmm. oppressive and also try and help a few people through maybe who desperately need help or be a bureaucrat and say no mm-hmm. you cannot go past this uh, point so take that concept and apply it to a real emotional gritty sort yes. of hbo style thing of what's going on in the city at the time what you need to do to survive what you need to do to be a human uh, like to maintain humanity in mm-hmm. and inhuman inhumane environment that could make a great story but it doesn't come from the story of you are just pressing stamps and checking passports it comes from the inspiration point behind it
1: yeah and obviously in that regard you wouldn't be able to replicate the idea well you kind of would replicate the idea of like what happens if i push this rubber stamp down because that could
2: be the moment that it breaks like when the character doesn't do the thing he's meant to do and then Mm -hmm. it's like boom you have like lost the game and it becomes its own narrative but then in that story you would know exactly why they couldn't
1: do it or whatever because they need to make sure that their family at home gets the, the food or the money yeah. to survive for the medicine or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that would actually work really well. I feel like like as a general setup, there's more story or narrative elements you can pull from in there. Whereas mm-hmm. Uncharted was always going to be a bunch of cutscenes stitched together, regardless, because it just needs to be this big Indiana Jones type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's kind of nearly always gonna be case by case. Um next question from Luke Cullen who says, What do we think is the best video game story never told? Whether it be a movie slash TV show, game depiction, a game that got cancelled, or a story that you've imagined you want to see also, when are we coming on Wrestle Culture? <laughs> ah. That's because me and Jules have got back into AEW, but the oh, culture is doing very well without us. If they ever have a, a gap, and will dive on, but um, me and Jules have little AEW catch ups every now and then anyway.
2: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll dip and dive on there. In fact, mm-hmm. um, we I think that I'm going to be there for the uh, the live show that they're doing. Oh, you're doing the Cardiff. Wales thing, yeah, yeah, because I, I, there's the clash at the castle, so we're going yes. to do a live show that's down there. I'm pretty sure if you go onto the What Culture Wrestling channel or or if you go onto any of the social media of the lads there on the team there should be ticket details Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if they're have it. it yeah okay perfect that's cool mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, hopefully I'll be down there so I'll see any of you wrestling fans there which yeah. is quite nice I'll probably AW, be doing do the well. I'll probably be doing the lights and sound with Phil <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yes. I don't I don't do anything on the wrestling channel apart from you can do, lists, you can do so. AEW things I think uh, oh, yeah, I was yeah. talking to yeah. all the wrestling
1: lads before cuz um this is this is such a specific conversation for wrestling yeah. people but there was a big pay-per-view at the weekend so we were talking yeah, about that Um, Double or Nothing, which was incredible, um, for the most part, anyway. A few little flubs, but the beginning and the end was mostly pretty Mm -hmm. solid. Um, But yeah, in terms of video game stories never told, my mind goes to The Legacy of Kane, the cancelled Dead Sons game. Because that was going to be like a whole sort of quasi-reboot thing, new character, but still the same, like, twin worlds connected stuff, um, which would be really cool. Does anything come to mind? Uh, Well... Metal Gear Solid 5's ending also comes to mind because that was the yeah. one thing that was just <laughs> yeah, severed off the that. end of that
2: game. Because <laughs> what was do you, do we have any idea of what was originally meant to be uh, to go into that? Well, it's it's so they did a whole thing where the
1: deleted scene slash like the the unused story got released on a bonus disc or whatever. There was like a bonus version of Metal Gear Solid Five with oh, right. unfinished assets showing what that cutscene was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. um, because the story as it is um, ends with uh, Metal Gear Sahelanthropus, which would go on to become Metal Gear Rex, just be just. In full, fully operational by the end of Metal Gear Solid Five, but somehow in between that and Metal Gear Solid One, it becomes derelict and becomes Metal Gear Rex and yeah, whatever. so there would have been an interesting something else needed happened. to happen, mm. and uh, and Young Liquid Snake is still on the run or whatever. Anyway, so it was like we needed that final boss fight or something for you to blow up Sahelanthropus or whatever it was. Those things were taken care of in a cutscene. Um, and a boss fight that never came true. It was just like they, they released like the the busted ass version on this bonus disc. Um, so I would probably say that like that was the one connective tissue that in all of Metal Gear Canon just makes no sense
2: because we never actually had the materials to stitch those games together. Yeah, fair one. See, I would go for uh, there was a there was a Batman game. Do you remember that mm. like ages and ages ago? It got announced and then it got cancelled. Even though it, I think it got oh some the Monolith way- one was that uh was that the developer there was a one
1: huh. this this is there was a rumor that um the um I think it was monolith we're going to take the nemesis system from Shadow of War and do a Batman sorry it's Shadow of Mordor and do a yeah. Batman game and it was going to be or it started as a Batman game sorry um and the whole idea was that it was Joker toxin and you were um remixing cool. you were playing as Batman you were going up against all these different goons that answered to Joker but you learned how to use his toxin to mind wipe them or whatever and it was the nemesis system it was Shadow of Mordor but it was in Gotham and you were turning Joker's goons against him, and it was that was the original idea for that, which became See, Shadow of Mordor.
2: I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that no. at all. Um, I mean, that would be an amazing one. To I'm play, going man. off like the barest
1: rumors that were doing the rounds, and a few insiders at the time going like, Oh, this is what this came from. Um, but that was a thing that there was going to be this sort of uh Batman uh, toxin Joker thing.
2: I swear that there was one that was set in like uh steampunk Victorian England with Gotham oh! by Gaslight, Gotham yes, that Gotham that by it. Gaslight, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was you, you're meant to be hunting down Jack the Ripper. Yep. That was sort of yeah, that that Which I think it's still
1: a crossover comic they did. I'm sure um yeah, Gotham by yeah, Glass, yeah. like, by Gaslight is the comic. Yeah, yeah. And then there was gonna be a game adaptation um by pandemic. They were the um the dudes that ended up doing full spectrum warrior and everything. Yeah, that they see, that,
2: that would be amazing. Like yeah. I would love to play through something like that because it's like I can imagine like I feel like it's um like Victorian England and Jack Ripper, they don't seem to be exploited as much in video game form as they do in TV and, no, uh, not really. film. and it's weird. It's in one it's of the Sherlock like, games. Yeah, like the Sherlock games seem to be the full extent of where they take the Jack the Ripper character. Mm. Like, it, There's a few hints uh, here and there in other games, I guess, like in Assassin's Creed, the one that's mm-hmm. set in England. But apart from that, there's nothing that's been built up around some of like that. And having the greatest detective in the form of Batman be in that story Ooh. would be amazing fun yeah
1: plus like the art direction is incredible you can still google like batman gotham by gaslight game and find mm-hmm. like the unused there's some gameplay footage out there. Oh, um, there there's little bits and pieces only just him running across a few rooftops and it shows yeah. like the cape physics and stuff um and there was like a few bits of artwork their concept art for what that game was going to be amazing um, yeah very promising final question from mm-hmm. you done messed up aaron um <laughs> who says what are your favorite decompression games uh mine goes to no man's sky now i will back no man's sky however i will throw a curveball in here one of my decompression games is the original dark souls and i know that that makes no sense but my point is that well i don't know what my point is my point is there's something about the original dark souls that because i spent so much time in it and because i methodically know all those animations and that game feel for me there's something quite relaxing about playing the original dark souls i don't i can't really explain it beyond um just a comfort zone or loving the aesthetic or loving the just the pace of gameplay I don't yeah. know what it is but i've got, i've gone back to dark souls when i need to relax before and weirdly it's worked it's become like a podcast game even though it wasn't when i first went through it
2: i feel like that's a very good thing because it's like muscle memory you're slipping back yeah. into something that was difficult to learn but uh you've still got that sort of uh comfort zone like said, I think, yeah like it's hard to explain i guess yeah more it? like
1: actual uh like because i always have like a casual game that i view as like something that stitches together my other games which like for the longest time was rocket league then it was knockout city um, at the minute, it's Halo Infinite. It's just something mm-hmm. that I sort of dip into. But yeah, No Man's Sky is a very chill game. Pokemon Snap, um, the new Pokemon Snap on Switch, yep. um, is a really, really gorgeous um, photography game as well. So I guess I'd throw all, throw all those in.
2: Yeah, that's a really good... Uh, suggestion. For me, it was uh, Mario Kart is always my one nice. that I always just chuck on if I want to just sort of zone out for a bit mm-hmm. because... I know most of those tracks. I don't know any of the DLC tracks. I haven't bought them yet. I I like old ones. They're from like N64 and stuff. Yeah. like I just just know them inside out. So it's just Mm -hmm. that feel of like, okay, cool. I know how this race is going to go. And it's just, fun i I don't Mm -hmm. know it's hard to describe it other than just like video games are fun but my (laughs) decompression game where i'll put that on and i just won't think about anything else Mm -hmm. i won't need to think about anything else i just race have fun
1: well whenever i would go up against you i'm not going to mention the crash team racing no 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 no, we don't do that you're there there again but um whenever i go up against you and rich on mario kart you guys were like lapping everyone else it was like a zen mind fight like just like the state of mind that you guys got into (laughs) uh was perfect um but yes massive thank you for everybody to Massive awesome, thank you to everybody for sending in all their questions. Um, this has been the Entitled Band of Podcasts. The UBP, the UBP. UBP. The UBP. Don't forget to celebrate the anniversary of Chronicles of Riddick
2: Escape from Butcher Bay. And we'll today, not Friday. One. Yes, we <laughs> is Wednesday. Celebrate it anyway. I've been Scott Taylor for Joined by Jules Girl. Thank you very much for having me. And remember, you can check out when we are going to go live next week uh, by checking out our social medias. You've got a slash LP89 for Scott and Retro J. but the O is a zero for me. And we will put up the next uh, tweet so you can take part in the UBP.
1: Yes, next week we'll catch you then. Goodbye.